Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome to another bonus episode where I don't get to try a new recipe, but I do get to dig a little deeper into a topic raised in a regular episode. Earlier this week, I released an episode featuring Emily and her family's sticky rice cake, which is traditionally eaten for Chinese New Year. I was so intrigued by the things we discussed, I reached out to an acquaintance of mine named Hui Lan. I asked her to teach me more about the beliefs and traditions surrounding the New Year, including, of course, favorite celebratory foods. Before we start, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast. Every new subscriber helps me to continue to gather and share the incredible, inspirational, educational stories of my remarkable guests. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming on with me, especially so last minute. Yeah, no problem. This is fun. Let's jump right in and tell me what your relationship to China is. Okay, so my parents uh, were both born in China, and my father's family immigrated to Indonesia when he was one, and that was because his family, mm-hmm. since you know the wars come, they sent their sons, which is my my grandfather and his two brothers, to Southeast Asia. Okay, uh, so he grew up in Indonesia, and my mom. She was born in China, and my mom's father was with the uh, nationalist. So that was the opposition to the communists. So, yes, okay. that's right. And 1949, the civil war between the nationalists and the communists, and the nationalists lost. So they retreated to Taiwan, thinking that they would only be there a short time, and then they're gonna they were gonna fight back, and that never happened. So, um, they stayed there, and then my father came to Taiwan to study uh, university. And uh, after he finished, he was going to go back to Indonesia, but Indonesia had um, a coup, and they were very anti-Chinese. So, my dad was not able to go back to Indonesia. He couldn't even go to his father's funeral. Oh, wow. So he stayed in Taiwan, got a job and got married and got a Taiwan um, citizenship or passport. And so me and my siblings were born in Taiwan. Okay. So you were born in Taiwan. Yes. And grew up there. And did no, you... I wasn't. I didn't grow up in Taiwan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> my my dad, he was a correspondent journalist, so we moved around a lot. So I'm what you call. I don't know if you've heard of the term third culture kid. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So I'm a third. I'm an adult third culture kid. I have. You know, I was born in Taiwan. I lived there until I was eight, and then we moved around my whole life. Okay. <laughs> So what do you claim as your identities? Like, you know, like I would say I'm an American. I have I have one kind of identity when it comes at least to a national identity. Obviously, I have many, many others. Do you ever even say a collection of national identities or do you just say I'm a adult third culture kid? You know what I'm asking? Does that make yes, sense? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That question is like one of the hardest mm-hmm. uh, question for a third culture kid to answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um mm. 
I could say that ethnically I'm Chinese. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, who I am, I am really a lot of mm-hmm. cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, if I say it positively, I said, you know, I am a collection of, you know, different cultures, all the places that I've lived in. But in a negative way, I can say that I don't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of grief, um, yeah. sorrow to the sense of rootlessness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer your question. No, so. you did. I think that's a really truthful answer. And it's a really important thing for people to understand and be sensitive to. So I'm glad that you answered it exactly the way that feels um, most right for you. So what languages do you speak? Uh, I speak fluently Mandarin and English, and I know a little bit of Thai because I lived in Thailand. I can uh, bargain on the street. (laughs) Uh, I can uh, understand a little bit of Cantonese because that's where that's my my dad is. That's where Uh, his family originated. Okay, and where did you learn the Chinese and where did you learn the English? I, I shouldn't say Chinese. I should say Mandarin, shouldn't Mandarin, I? Mandarin, yeah. Yeah. So my mother tongue is Mandarin because my mother speaks Mandarin. She's from the north. Okay. Uh, my dad is from originally from Canton. He speaks Cantonese, but he never taught us. So okay. So I had we had to I had to learn that later on in life. And English, I learned when uh, he was stationed in uh, the states when I was eight. So I am not an ABC. ABC is American-born Chinese, but most people think that I am because I, I have an American accent, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty Chinese inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? My worldview, my my comfort food, things like that. Although I'm, yeah. I, I'm not very, your typical Chinese either. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And have you lived in China? Uh, yes, I have. I've lived in China for quite a long time. Um, I'm not going to uh, share too much about mm-hmm. that. Yep. Okay. So again, just to relate this to the episode that I released on Wednesday with Emily Ho, have you had this sticky rice cake? <laughs> yes. It's it's very typical. It's called nian gao. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Do you like the cake? Oh, Yes. Okay. Do you make it? Yes. My kids love it. Okay. And do you associate it with the Chinese New Year? Yes, definitely. Okay, good. Okay. Then let's talk about the Chinese New Year because I have so many questions about it. So first of all, one of the things Emily and I talked about is the Chinese New Year. It varies on the Gregorian calendar from year to year because it's based on a lunar calendar. Is that true? Yep. Yep. Okay. And do any Chinese still use the lunar calendar? Oh yeah, we we so on the calendar you have the Gregorian dates on the top, and then at the bottom there's always a corresponding lunar calendar date. All of the Chinese holidays or traditional Chinese holidays are based on the um, a lunar calendar. Okay, but you know, to be honest, the mainland Chinese because it's um, communist, so they basically wiped out all of the traditions. Mm-hmm. Places where there are a lot of Chinese, like Taiwan, Hong Kong, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, you know, all these, and, and Malay- uh, Philippines. There mm-hmm. are a lot of Chinese immigrants when, when it 
comes to celebrating holidays, it's all based on the uh, lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. And especially if people are subscribing to traditional Chinese religion or folk mm-hmm. religion, mm-hmm. they rely on the lunar calendar a lot. Okay, so tell me about that. What's the connection between, well, so back up, (laughs) Chinese religion, folk religion, Buddhism, communism, how do all these relate? Is there an official, an unofficial religion in China? Just talk to me a little (laughs) bit about all all of that. (laughs) In mainland China, uh, they're communists. So Mm -hmm. they're atheists. Mm Mm-hmm. So they don't subscribe to any religion. In fact, you know, the communists believe that, you know, at the end, all religion will be eradicated. That's an ideal. That's an ideal. Mm. Um, But in reality, it's not. People are spiritual Mm. uh, beings and they they seek Mm. uh, for uh, spiritual things. Taoism is the only... A religion that came from China. All the other ones were introduced. In fact, when, when Buddhism came into China, Chinese rejected it. Really? Um, I yes. always thought Buddhism originated in China. No, no, no. Buddhism origina- originated in India. It came from the west or west, west of China. So okay. it came into China a long time ago and the Chinese rejected it. They, they didn't like it. Um, uh, for quite a long time. And it took a while before Buddhism kind of took root in okay. China. So Buddhism in China is uh, not pure Buddhism. It's and, mixed uh, with Taoism? It's mixed with Taoism and folk religion. Okay. What would be a critical <laughs> difference, for instance, between Taoism, Buddhism, and folk religion? Actually, Taoism and Buddhism the pure sense, they don't have a God. Mm. They don't have a transcendent God. But folk Mm. religion deifies people. I see. So that makes whoever is kind of like the a good teacher in Taoism religion or in Buddhism, you know, Mm -hmm. then it deifies them. Yes. I see. Okay. Okay, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. And then how does that relate to the lunar calendar and the celebration of the Chinese New Year, particularly the zodiac signs? Like the, this is the year of the rat coming up, for instance. To be honest with you, I grew up in you know the Chinese culture. I know mm. all of these things. We do these things. We yeah. eat these yeah. foods and we mm. you know, do things. And I don't know why, but it's we do them and so this is true uh, of all of us (laughs) (laughs) traditions yeah so i looked it up and it's very very interesting Mm -hmm. um but i just want to say that um because i come from um a christian family and i'm a fourth generation christian we are discouraged to do a lot of the things that most chinese do during the holidays Okay. Because it's related to to religion. Okay. Okay, so the lunar calendar is also called a farming calendar. So in ancient China it's a agricultural society. So farming uh is dependent on 
the seasons, the mm-hmm. weather, and um, and I found that the uh, lunar calendar, you know, the the origins of it is astronomy. You know, you have to oh. know. So the way that they count the years and the days is connected with astronomy because the more that you know about, you know, sure. you know how the Earth is uh, running then you know, you know, when you're supposed to do what. Yeah, it's predictive. The hope would be you would know when you're going to have a rainier season, a drier season, which crops would thrive in each, so on and so forth. Yes, yes. Got it. Exactly. And uh, I don't know the details of it. Okay. And then when it comes to the years, and Emily was telling me that, for instance, her, the older generations in her family, she was, um, she was born in the year of the rabbit. So they kind of always told her that because she was born in that year, she would exhibit the characteristics of a rabbit. And she was saying, like, she doesn't personally subscribe to that, but a lot of people in the older generations do. Do you remember being taught that or taught that some people believe that, but you didn't endorse that because your family was Christian? Like, how how was how did all that come come to you? Yes, people believe that. Um, this is my personal point of view, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, people are trying to control, you know, what happens and are trying to explain uh, why certain things happen. Uh, these things are supposed to, you know, help you. That's yeah. my guess. That's my explanation. It's not... <laughs> Okay. Two questions um, related. Do celebrations vary from year to year? So would you celebrate the Chinese New Year for the Year of the Rat differently than you would celebrate the Chinese New Year when you're ushering in a year of a dragon? And related, does it change the expectations that you would have? And again, not you, but for the new year, like you would expect to have um, these kinds of things happen in a year of a rat versus these things happen in a year of a tiger, for instance. Yes. Okay. So in terms of celebrating New Year's, you know, you do the same things every year. Okay. The celebration part is the same. However, each year represents, uh, you know, a different zodiac. And it's a very complex system, actually. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is so complex. So it's also, there's another part of counting the years. There's the metal a wood, water, fire, and then ground. So this in combination with the zodiac, then, okay, so this year is the year of the rat, but it's a golden rat, okay? Okay. Oh, I see. So yeah, it gets even more complicated because (laughs) this year of the golden rat (laughs) might mean something for a fish, a person born during the year of the fish, but it might mean something, oh, wow, okay. By the way, I just want to let you know, there is no fish. No, <laughs> so don't use that example. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Someone has, I mean, they've came up with a calendar that has every single day what you're supposed to be doing. Are you supposed to be burning incense to or offering food for, for the gods? Um, this is the day that is bad for a haircut. It's like detail things that you can and cannot do. Okay. And this is something that is, I'm not asking you to speak for everyone, but this is a system that is kind of generally believed in or, or not, not, not so much. Okay. Uh, This is an ancient system and it's still going on, but in mainland China, they don't use this. 
Okay. Because okay. they're communists. Right. So they don't they're, use any they're system. They're atheists. Yeah. <laughs> Some common people, they may okay. or may not subscribe to it, but not as much. However, on the all the other, you know, places where there are Chinese, they're right. very traditional, they subscribe to this. Like a lot of the um, Southeast Asian countries that have Chinese population. They all do, right, because they all left before or as right. communism was coming in. And so they still, they brought these beliefs with them. You know, people who that have higher education, they probably don't necessarily subscribe to it as much. Okay. Okay. So do you have really happy memories of Chinese New Year as a kid? I do. I do. Yeah. It's really, really fun. The firecrackers. Uh-huh. And then you get new clothes. You always wear new clothes on New Year's Day. That seems reasonable. So that seems you're, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I remember mom would take me go shopping and then it would be red. It has to be red. Okay. So there's kind of like a legend. I didn't know this this legend until when we were living in China. My kids had to learn it mm-hmm. in their school. Uh, the legend says that there is this beast or monster named Nian. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that it sounds like the Nian Go. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So this monster comes and he would start eating the people in the villages the villagers were so scared, they went hiding. And then uh, one day, this guy said, I'm going to try to do see, I, you know, I can scare off the beast. So he started to light up firecracker and he was had something red and then found out that the beast was afraid of the sound of the firecrackers. Oh. And the color red. So that's why everybody's wearing red to ward off the beast. I and see. And they have the firecrackers to, you know, ward off the beast. So, but that's I a see. legend. I, you know, different people explain it differently. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, the ancient Chi- Chinese are very aware of the spiritual world. So there right. are evil spirits. So, uh, you know, the firecrackers supposed to ward off the evil spirits. Now, are these well-controlled displays, or was everybody just setting off fireworks in their in their yards? Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> very dangerous. You can imagine. I mean, there are like kids that you know blow off their get hurt, and you know mm. their ears get hurt. And okay, so uh, I remember when we were living in China, the fireworks were just spectacular. I mean. You know, in the States, you have to go like a 4th of July type of event. Right. And you have fireworks. to so far back and all of yes, that. Yes. Right. But in China, when we, you know, in the earlier years, we actually just sat in in our uh, living room. Wow. And you can buy right. like huge, they're actually really cheap in China, these fireworks. And they were like equivalent to the ones that you see. Um, the 4th of July. July. Wow. Uh, it was just spectacular. And you just watch people do it. And it is really dangerous, you know? Yeah, yeah. But sometimes it can be really annoying because they set off firecrackers like any day, any time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of the day. <laughs> like, like, I have a baby night. trying to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> um, later, it really irked me. <laughs> yes. Or the kids are afraid. Or if you have pets, yeah. you know, it can be right. frightened. Sure. Sure. But later so, on, yeah, later on, they, they banned it. So now there are no firecrackers at all. 
Oh, really? As Except for so public sad. displays. There's no more. But there are public displays, or no, not even that? No, no, but I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> nothing? <laughs> nothing. No. I'm, I'm, sh- In China. I'm shocked. I am what? too. <laughs> because of the danger? I think danger and pollution, because it really, you know, um, oh. emits a lot of, you know, uh, uh, yeah. pollution. Wow. But Man, in Taiwan of centuries and millennia. I know. That's so sad. Which is so sad. But in Taiwan, yeah. I don't know if you know in Taiwan there's a, the tallest building called 101. No, uh uh-uh, I didn't know that. People would go New Year's Eve, kind of like New York City, you know, when when it turns twelve, all the firecrackers would come out of the uh one oh one. It's really beautiful. Wow. That sounds amazing. Mm. For us, when we celebrate Christmas, we're really talking about this whole month, at least, right? Between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So is there a buildup to Chinese New Year? Oh, yeah. Okay. So what's the buildup like? Chinese New Year is the ushering in the new year. Okay. So they're ushering in spring. So the whole month of December is the preparation. I see. Um, So they start uh, making sausages or cured uh, meats. Okay. That is a big thing. So my, my grandmother has this recipe. So every place, every province, they have different uh, foods that you, they eat. Right. It's very interesting. Um, This morning I was, on my call with um, my friends from different parts of China. And, and, uh, you know, we were talking about what do they eat for Chinese New Year and every different provinces, they have different things that they have to have. Interesting. Okay. So what was it in your home that you guys prepared? Because we lived in Taiwan when I was little, and so we celebrated Chinese New Year with my mother's side of the family, because mm-hmm. my father's side, they're all in Indonesia. Right. Um, so we mainly subscribe to the northern culture. You have to have dumplings. The northerners would say, you have to eat it when it turns 12. At midnight, even if you're not hungry, you have to eat one. Yeah. <laughs> you can always find room for one dumpling. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, it's very interesting. Every food is related to a symbolism. So uh, the dumplings, they shape like this currency in ancient China. It's just like a solid piece of gold. Mm. And it, it shapes like the dumpling. And so that's why you eat the dumplings. And does every province kind of put different fillings into the dumplings? Uh, It's mostly pork. So as you and your home growing up, as you guys got ready for Chinese New Year, you would you would make dumplings. Now, did you guys grind sausages or just other other families did that? But that's not something you did. Well, I have to say that, um, unfortunately, the family recipe kind of stopped where my aunt is because okay. uh, nobody else, you know, I, 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 I wrote down the recipe, but I've never made it myself. Okay. You know, modern people, they don't, they don't make it. It's, it's too just, much work. It's too much work. Yeah. And how about the dumplings? Do you make those? Did your mom make them and do you make them? 
Yes, that you make, we make ourselves. So it's kind of like a family event activity. You do it together. How about your other friends? What did they say they had to have? So one person, she's from the South, they have to have fish balls. So it's kind of like a meatball, but made from fish. Okay. And is the South more coastal? Yeah, that it's more. Mm -hmm. And then another friend, she's also from the South, but a different province. They have to have this porridge. It's sweet porridge. It, it has like different nuts, different grains with dates. And uh, it's supposed to be like a dessert type of thing. Interesting. Okay. That sounds really good. And also, you know, the, the sticky, the onion gog, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. made from um, glutinous rice. So Chinese use the glutinous rice to, to make a lot of different desserts. So this other kind is, so the outside is glutinous rice and the Uh inside they have like either like a peanut butter filling or a sweet red bean paste or sesame paste. They would definitely have. Oh, and some, some people have hot pots. Have you heard of hot pots? I've heard of hot pots. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, the concept is kind of like the fondue concept where there's some kind of base, but yeah. for in Chinese, a hot pot, the, it's broth-based. So yeah, it's, it's actually either, healthy, nourishing. Yeah, can make it with pork bone broth or chicken bone broth or uh, actually I've had um, mushroom. Yeah, mushroom. Yeah. Um, I mean, a vegetable broth, that's not... Right, vegetable yeah. broth, seaweed, you know, any... So um, different provinces, they would have different broth base. In Sichuan, they would have the, actually, it's oil. Really? Yes, it's oil. It's hot, it's spicy. Like, it's pep, red pepper with numbing pepper and uh, oil. Oh, so, so many questions. <laughs> so are you deep frying things? Pretty much. In a, an oil and a pepper that's so hot, it numbs your mouth. Yes. Yeah. So, and then what you put in is like strips of meat mm-hmm. you would, and then you have all sorts of vegetables. Chinese have a lot assorted types of uh, green vegetables. Mm. Um, one thing that is, I miss uh, about Asia is because in America, there's not that many types of vegetables. Are, are the mm-hmm. vegetables, the green vegetables, are they kind of squash like? No, they're leafy. Green oh, vegetables. leafy greens. Okay, kind of cabbagey. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like bok choy, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thai napa. Right. And then fish balls, meatballs, tofu, uh, it's seafood. A yes. You just put it. You dip it in, and then you know it cooks fast, and then so that's hot pot. Now, is all are all the preparations um, food related, or is there? Do you do gifts, or is there something in terms of? You said it's in preparation for spring, like a spring cleaning, or are all? The oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so you have to clean the house before Chinese New Year. Okay. Supposed to, you know, sweep away the bad luck or the evil. Okay. And then uh, you have to buy, you know, foods, different candies. And usually Chinese candies are, they're dried fruits. Okay. And then they also have like seeds, you know, like watermelon seeds, pumpkin seeds, you know, uh, sunflower seeds. Can you uh, eat watermelon seeds? Oh, yeah. That. It's Everybody really here? good. You have to, yeah. like, 
like uh, pumpkin seeds. You can't eat it like that, but you right, have to right. bake it. They're kind of roasted and then flavored. Yeah, yeah. It's roasted, okay. flavored, and, you know, it did different flavors. The most common is the five spice flavor. Okay. And then for the New Year's itself, is it like big festivals on the streets or do people just kind of hang out in their homes or a combination of both? It's a combination of both. Um, so the celebration is from New Year's Eve until the, the 15th of the first month. Oh, so, so it's a two-week celebration. It's a two-week celebration. Oh, wow. So, the, you know, the most important thing is the reunion or the gathering of families having the last day of the year dinner okay. together. So Chinese New Year is like a family thing, big okay. thing. You have to, in front of the door, you have to put these red strips of uh, couplets on. And then on top of the door frame, there's another, you know, uh, auspicious type of sayings. And then on okay. the doors, you have to hang these red papers that says blessings or. Okay. And, and did you do that as a family or did your parents find that that conflicted? with their Christian? Oh, uh, actually, you know, the Christians then came up with, you know, Christian God's blessing and. Okay. Okay. Um, what other elements are there to the celebrations? Okay. So you have to have money. Did Emily talk about the red envelopes? Uh, the red envelopes are huge. I mean, especially for kids, it's kind of like, you know, kids getting Christmas gifts. And the saying is, this is the money that is used to suppress the evil spirits. So do you pay the evil spirits? No, you you give to your, you know, the kids. Your, is it that act of generosity is what suppresses the evil? Or how is it? You know what I mean? Like, how is it? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. I think it's supposed to give, um blessings, you know, okay. to so that the evil spirits would go away. I'm assuming you guys did not use that saying. No, but we still give red envelopes, you know, yeah. and the kids yeah. are expecting the grandparents to give them and the parents to give them the aunts, yeah. aunts and uncles. I mean, that's like the, the, the time of the year when the children make the most money. <laughs> but you know, the, the concept of the red envelope is not just in the family, Mm. But it is also like extended in, in the business world. Oh. And so the, you know, in businesses, the, the, the bosses have to give bonuses to their employees and they have to treat their employees to the end of the year dinner. And even here during the Christmas season, there's, I mean, every company has a holiday dinner. It's similar wow. that way. Okay. Oh, and, and one thing about the, uh, the red envelopes. Um, so we would, so it's only given to the kids who are not married. Even if you're like an adult, but you're not married, uh huh. you get a, a red envelope. It's kind of embarrassing to get a red envelope because usually it's, you know, kids getting right, it. Right, right. It's almost like a mark of shame. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we also, like for married couples, we would give red envelopes to my grandmother as mm -hmm. kind of like an honor, I honor her. So I give her a red envelope. And then I remember when I was little, so my grandparents would sit on the sofa and we have to be on our knees. And then we have to, I guess the English was, it's from the Chinese word kowtow, you know, the word oh, yeah. kowtow. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. So basically you, 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 you basically hit your head on the ground. Yeah. And you have to do that 
before they give you the money. It's kind of like a respect. I don't think I ever knew that it happened in normal familial interactions. Yes. I mean, that's a that's a thing that we do to express, um, you know, our honor to our elderly. Okay. Okay. So then. And then like every single day, there is some something you're supposed to do. It's related to the religion, the, the calendar. So we don't do any of them. Okay. What we do is, so the night before we have to spend with our family and usually it's with the, if you're married, you spend, you spend that, that dinner with your, your husband's side of the family. Oh, no in-law wars. It's all there codified. You go to your you husband's family. You have to go to your husband's <laughs> family. But the next day, like the first yeah. day or second, I can't remember which day, then you get to go to the, the wife's family. I see. And then spend time with them. So there is a kind of like an order. Yes. Honestly, that would actually help a lot of families, I think, if it was just specified. You go to one side this day, you go to the other side the other day. Well, that's if <laughs> you have a know, lot of arguments. Well, that's if your families live close by, you know, if mm, your families yeah. live very far away, it's kind of hard to do. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so for these whole 14 days where there's something different to do each day, are people working or is that, is this? No, is, they oh. get off. Okay. The whole country well, is shut down for two weeks, essentially. Well, for China, it is. In China, they don't get off that much at all the whole year. So this is a big deal. Say so they get at least a week off. Throughout the whole 15 days in between, we would go and visit friends okay. and wish them Happy New Year and catch up and you know, every house has a platter of sweets. So when people come, you know, they can talk and eat. And in the Chinese traditional society, you don't have to schedule. Like you don't call up and say, hey, are you free this Friday or Thursday? You know, which day is better for you? No, Chinese don't do that. They yeah. just show up at your house. I think only Americans do that, honestly. <laughs> I <laughs> The whole rest of the world knows how to just be flexible and put people first. <laughs> uh, well, so, I mean, you know, of course, of course, it could be very inconvenient at times. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you're if that's the ex expectation, then you just deal with it. <laughs> right. And then if there's an elderly and you have kids, they will give you, your kids the red envelope. Okay. So the kids not only get money from their, you know, family members, you know, aunts, right. uncles, grandparents, they get, you know, red envelopes from all of the friends. Yeah, you really can rack up quite a yes. <laughs> an income. <laughs> so the end is on the 15th day of the month of the New Year's, the lunar year. And that's when you have to eat, you know, the glutinous ball. Oh, with, uh -huh. uh, the filling with peanut butter filling or sesame or paste or green bean paste uh -huh. that have to eat that. I That's see. That's kind of like the culmination or the end okay. of the celebration. And then you have to, the lanterns. Yeah. Uh-huh. You make, so the kids make lanterns or you can go outside and buy lanterns. I remember, you know, when we were little, we make our own lanterns. Okay. And then we put, you know, candles in and we just walk around, you know, kids like to, you know, run around. Yeah, of course. Lanterns. Anyway, that has a meaning. I just, 
I found out it's supposed to is to guide the wayward spirits home. We never knew that. Yeah, we you were played. just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I have to say the Chinese New Year sounds really, really fun for kids. But thinking yeah. of it as a mom, it sounds like an enormous amount of work. It is. <laughs> <laughs> What um what will you do? Will you do anything Saturday to celebrate? We okay. just celebrate with other Chinese families. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I do have to ask this last question again. <laughs> I really, okay. really want my listeners to hear this. So one thing I've always wondered anytime I go to a Chinese restaurant is if fortune cookies are really, truly Chinese or not. Nope. No. It's not. <laughs> How to feel it out <laughs> So if you uh, have a Chinese friend that just yeah. came from China or any you know, Chinese <laughs> yeah. come to America, they've never been to America, they don't know American culture, and then you take them to a Chinese restaurant and they give you Chinese, uh, the fortune cookies, they're like, what is this? So what what else at a Chinese restaurant would they actually recognize as their cuisine? Any Any of it? Um, I think they would recognize the food, but the, all the Ch- American Chinese restaurants are Americanized, meaning yeah. they, the flavor is catered to people here. And also, I think it's also because the first immigrants are from Canton. Oh. And so, so. the foods are their way of cooking. So it's a okay. little bit sweeter. Okay. So what we think of as Chinese food is a derivation of Cantonese food. Yes, and it's not even right. Not even it's, a pure Cantonese food. It's either. Americanized Cantonese food. Okay, all right. Well, I've learned so much, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every every time you learn something, it just raises like thousand more questions. So, thank you so much for your time, especially oh, since you kind of just jumped on last minute for me. No problem. This was this was interesting for me. I I did some research myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't know about this. <laughs> I guess I wish you a happy new year. Yeah, thank you. You too. (laughs) Thank you very much. Have a great day, a great week, and a great year. Yes, you too. I want to thank both of this week's guests once again for teaching me so much. I like to think of myself and you and a listener to this podcast as a community that together bears witness to the significance of every human and their story. I invite you to join me in this community right now by subscribing to the podcast. It would mean the world to me personally, as I do feel passionate about bearing witness to as many stories as possible. And I would love to continue in this work for a long time. Thank you. Have a great week and happy new year, my friends.